You're listening to the Road to Wisdom podcast, weaving stories told by wonderful minds about all things motherhood, health, intimacy, politics, nature, and everything in between. Join us on an adventure discovering unique experiences that we can learn from to enhance the ways in which we live. We are your hosts, Chloe and Kishia. Welcome everyone um, for today's show. Today we have a beautiful guest, Lucy Lampe. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Very close. It's Lampe. Lampe. Lucy Lampe. Lucy Lampe. Kind of rolls off the tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I've been so excited for this chat with you because I stumbled across your Instagram page and literally every single part of it just sung to me. It's, um, yeah, and then I did more research and like everything you do just sings volumes to me and to us because something that I was about to say when we were off air, but I'll say it now, is that it's really hard to find someone who is embodying um, their sexual essence and really into, yeah, everything. <laughs> Just like walking the path, walking the path. Yeah, like intimacy, sex. Who also has a family, and that's not. It's not easy to find that. And but not just a family. You have four kids. Yeah. We both have four kids. You're like, okay, this is a person that actually knows what we need. Yeah, like someone we can actually yeah. relate to because you listen to other sexologists and sex therapists and their advice and a lot of the time it's not coming from like maybe they have one child, maybe they have two children, but it, it's still a different game when you're going into your threes, fours and fives. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's really nice to be able to – it, like to have found you, Lucy, and to be able to talk to you about all this stuff, which I mean, I, I love talking about intimacy and sex. I think it's one of the founding pillars or should be for any relationship and something that me and my husband have fallen back on when we've needed it to. Um, yeah, so excited for this conversation. Actually, I should put a little disclosure for all of our listeners, especially family and friends that this conversation could get heated <laughs> and information ah, juicy yeah, and information may come out <laughs> that you don't want to hear about your son-in-law <laughs> or son-in-laws um, daughters brothers and sisters yeah. like <laughs> so we'll put that one out there maybe turn it off now it could be inappropriate and also let's um be mindful of little ears um yeah lucy take the stage <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, where do we begin? <laughs> I, I, um, I love that you are moms also, and that this is, this is a, a, a focus, something that you emphasize and bring awareness to in your life, because there is also, um, I hear, I hear from a lot of fellow moms that are like, yeah, I thought that you and your husband were this like polyamorous couple in Bali or something. <laughs> <laughs> just like the the way that you are with each other I'm like no we we're with each other we have four kids we've made all of these kids together like we've been married for almost 17 years um and we just we've been through a lot together we weren't always these people we have become these people together and um i think that it's also really important to highlight that all of this is a process you know it's it's not uh going to happen overnight 
but um, I love getting to awaken more of a vision in people mm-hmm. that literally didn't know that this was even possible. And uh, that's one of the best parts of getting to share the, the journey openly. Yeah. yeah, any direction you want to take the conversation, <laughs> I am open. Well, I think it'd be great to start there because being a mom of young children, um, our children mm-hmm. are still quite young, um, where my oldest or our oldest not yours just yet. My oldest turns eight next week and y- ah. my youngest is nearly two. Um, oh. Yeah, so lots of babies in a smushed space there. But, you know, those first, those young years with children do really test your relationship. I think that it's, it's, it's a very intense time and it's a beautiful time and there's so many changes but – in terms of your relationship, that really does test you. It, you know, having so many kids, so many dependents, um, and then you know, my husband can work away quite a bit. So it's there's a lot of pressure there, and I find that lots of families, like not even those who don't have so many kids, do feel that same pressure, and it's so easy to fall into the habits of ships sailing in the night kind of expression yeah Yeah. and I guess where I'd love to start is how would we if we were in that rut of new babies and just running around after kids yeah keeping the household in a financially stable position like and it's you know those stresses like how do we find our way back to each other from that yeah oh (laughs) There's a lot of potential in that question. Um, one of the the big, I like to try to keep it as simple and actionable as possible. So even when the kids are really young um, and there's not really a predictable schedule, but even when there is, you know, stuff is going to happen. Things will get in the way. Things will come up when you have other things planned. A kid will get sick and then everybody gets sick and, you know, things like that. But it's, if, if we make it a habit to be intentional about just connecting. So we put so much pressure on sex, right? Like it needs to, we, I'm, I'm not a big fan of actually scheduling sex, but I am a hundred percent for scheduling erotic uh, playtime, just erotic containers. Can you go where into in, the detail of what a, an erotic yeah. playtime or container would look like? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, of course, this depends on what anybody is into. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you like? What helps your body to feel more at ease? What is your what does your partner's body respond to? And also the climate of that season of life. What do you need more of then? Do you need something a little bit more tender and, and, and sensual and soft or something a little bit more intense and more primal and more just like, you know, di- like aggressive in a really yummy way? And um, that, just that piece right there takes, uh, requires such an attunement with your own body. Mm. So what I always will bring it back to, like the first actual step before you can even connect with the other person is really connecting with yourself. And I find that this is usually the hardest part for, um, for us to do when we are in this kind of a survival mode in those early years because there are so many things to respond to that 
we my default mode anyways was just to do 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 and then even when there was nothing to do i would find more to do and my body my nervous system just didn't feel safe to just relax and just uh, be at ease mm. so even if it's just five or ten minutes a day to just be at ease in your body literally when our um, youngest who was going to be eight soon but when he was a baby he had the worst scream he would just like scream like the most alarming thing to my system i would be like shaking for minutes I'm, like what's happening um i would just if i could just get five minutes of of quiet time before he started screaming again just very consciously recalibrating my system like going into my visualizations and whatever i was doing at that time mm. the cumulative impact of that day after day after day it makes a big difference and so it doesn't have to be this big elaborate routine but just find a practice that calls to you devote yourself to it even if it's just in a little bits at a time and just trust the unfolding of your process but then there's the coming together right so again those erotic containers the difference between scheduling sex and scheduling an erotic space is that one there is no um there is no clearly defined finish line of orgasm or ejaculation usually you know for a lot of couples right once he comes or once they both come hopefully at least that then they're then they're done they're good <laughs> success like goal <laughs> you know and yeah. that's like we we've made we're making it a long ways from just him coming to both of them coming right so then we're like we both win <laughs> and that's kind of this equal balance thing everybody's feeling pleasure but then there's so much more a lot of times what we crave is the erotic aliveness and the erotic tension and that like juicy yummy like milking that mm. more than we crave the orgasm itself. I love orgasms. Don't get me wrong. I'll have multiple, <laughs> multiple every day, but and I do. But it's, but it's not about Good that. Good for you, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I was there once upon a time. Hey, Lucy, I'd actually, um, I'd actually just really love for you to quickly just like give us a quick, super quick, um, and I don't want to derail the conversation, but just a quick um, definition of like quick. erotic and like eros because <laughs> – because for people, for people who are yes. a little bit like vanilla are listening to a big, listening to a erotic being like, uh-huh. that sounds like it's giving me porny vibes or it's giving me like whips and right. chains vibes. Like, so I just want to like <laughs> clear it up and be like, no, this is what it is. It could be whips and chains. It could be whips and chains. Like, hey, if you're into that, you go do that. You do that. But I just want to like. I love whips and chains. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. We and we're in. <laughs> Gay people. <laughs> <laughs> I can revisit that later if you wish. This conversation um, will not get silly. It won't get silly. It will. <laughs> no, but like, can, I'm gonna so, yeah. like before Lucy again gets to answer a question. But that's the best thing I think about um, you, Lucy, and your page, and because it's not just this serious. Everything is erotic and sensual and sexy and serious. Like you bring the play into it and the fun into it and like, and that's what it should be about. So anyway, erotic, what are we talking about? (laughs) Thank you for seeing that. Thank you for that. Um, Yeah. Okay. So erotic, uh, if anyone listening wants to go deeper into this, there is a specific book that I will just recommend right off the bat. 
and it is called A Return to Eros um, by Mark Gaffney and Christina Kincaid. It's a little bit long. You can get it on audiobook. Um, but I love the way that he defines it in this. This is the closest thing that I could find that really feels like, ah, yes, this awakens so much of me. So um, he, one of the ways he defines it, they define it, is um, that Eros is the heart of life itself. So the sexual models the erotic, but they're not the same. Um, sexual things can be highly erotic or they can be void of the erotic. If it's, if it's lacking that connection and that feeling of aliveness. So the way that I like to think of it is like this, this, this current of energy that's running within us. This, this coursing like pulse of life that we're just drinking a cup of tea can be extremely erotic. Crying can be erotic. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these very like big, fully feeling things in our hearts the recognizing the eros in that. Um, another way that he defined, uh, he specifically defined it was um, like being on the inside. You know, when you're like in on something with someone mm-hmm. and you, maybe like an inside joke or something and you just, you get it. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm in there with you. It's also kind of like that, that feeling of like, you know, we're in on this thing together. It's exciting. Mm. Like, yeah, I bro, love that. you know. And Kashi has actually spoken about it before. She's like, you know, those times you're just feeling like, everything's just like like you look at the oh. flowers and you're like oh or like you look at your friend and you're like oh you're so yeah. hot like you're killing it yeah like, like it's like that yes. like when she says that I'm like yeah I miss that, <laughs> but yeah. I miss that. and I find that like <laughs> you know when we've had these conversations when when my libido is really on fire like when I just feel like that oomph, it's it really like yeah. just leaks out into the whole day and my whole life and like yes. like I look at my kids and I'm just like, oh, you're so awesome. And like, I'll go for a walk and be like, how beautiful is like where I live and how great's the beach. And then I'll see my friends and I'm like, oh, you're, yes. you're just glowing today. Like, and it's all that it's coming from inside me. It's coming from inside that place. And then, you know, yeah. I feel so switched on with my husband and everything like runs really smoothly in the house and it's all awesome. Yeah. And we've been in that place before and we've actually been able to hold it for quite large periods of time and at the moment we're not there <laughs> it's definitely yeah, I think, yeah. more of a like a stressed and just heads down in the grind kind of place so yeah I I'm yeah. wondering how to get back to let's that. go back to the erotic <laughs> let's go back to the erotic container because I, I said to yeah. myself I didn't want to yeah, derail yeah. that but I want to hear did. about this erotic <laughs> container <laughs> thank you for bringing it back because this is this is like Come such back. a key thing <laughs> okay so, so like when we take the pressure off of trying to fix something or trying to like grasp and, and, and get something out there, because that, that whole feeling that you're just turned on and not just aroused sexually, but you're just turned on, you're tapped in, you know, Abraham Hicks says like tuned in, tapped in, turned on the whole thing. And it's that feeling of just like, oh yeah, like I'm fucking alive, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's the clarity to it. There is a there is a holiness to it. And that's that wholeness. Like there's no part of you that you're, you know, like, no, you know, there's, there's such a deep um, remembrance and reconciliation of these different parts of ourselves that we may have judged. So the erotic containers, um, well, I, I can, I can give you an example of what one of our, what some of ours would like. 
Beautiful. Just to give you some reference point. However, I will set a disclaimer that I really do enjoy. (laughs) We were very kinky people. So um, I couldn't tell by your Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Starting with the exhibitionist kink, right? Um, (laughs) But it could be sometimes we'll just go into the bedroom. Like a couple nights ago, he. um, Okay, yeah, I'm going there. So he he said, I'm gonna. Let me just, I want to take care of you tonight. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? In the past, it could be, I have all these things that my mind goes to, right? But I love to be in the mystery of the moment Mm. while also knowing how to communicate. Okay, I'm definitely not wanting this and I am open to this. We'll see how it goes. And then this I would really like. And so then he can take that as, um, instead of thinking it more like a dominant role, it's the leading role. This is something we really learned from our mentor and friend, Kimmy Inch, who's a professional sex educator and dominatrix, um, that he's in that leadership role in that container. By container, I mean there is a time and a place that we are meeting, and there is an intention that this is going to be a sacred erotic space. Mm-hmm. It's not something we flippantly do and we just like, well, do you feel like, you know, you feel, what do you feel like doing? You want to watch TV or you want to go upstairs? It's like, no, we have set this time aside to slow down and be more deeply present with each other. So I go into the bedroom. He tells me, you know, sit down here and the music is on and the candles are lit and there's the vibe, the the light is red. You know, we have different color settings, just these little moments, little touches of intention. And um, so he kept his clothes on. So there was this extra barrier, right? So he's not just out there trying to like, fuck me. He's just, Mm. he's really going to take care of me and take his time. And he went through these various things with me and I, you know, got there multiple times. And then, and then he he flipped me over and he started scratching me and spanking me and pulling my hair and all the things that I like. And um, so it's like, it's like, this is an erotic space Mm -hmm. in that particular time it was more like very clearly defined. This is the one receiving, this is the one leading. But even if we're taking turns, there is a, um, there is a complete de-emphasizing of there has to be an orgasm. Mm. And that is the metric of success that we are gauging this whole experience. Instead, we're focusing on connection, presence, eye contact, really seeing each other, mm. slowing down to be able to feel like the energy that the other person's body, is it expanding? Is it contracting? Is it like kind of re- where's the resistance? And then letting that be the guide as to what happens next. And then it just so happens that the orgasms that do happen are because we're not like clenched in trying to make it happen. There's an expansiveness to it. And that's when it's really, really good. I, I couldn't come during sex until after I started doing my self-pleasure ritual several years ago. So there is that too. There's this practice of opening to pleasure within myself and then translating that into us. Yeah. Well, now that we're there, actually, I wanted to um, ask, and I'll preface this with my husband and I started doing your rewilding lovers course, which yeah. which was awesome because it actually it did bring that play and fun back into it, especially because we have gone through a little bit of a, a lull um, 
just with him being away working so much and me being really occupied with the kids and also this podcast. Um, but, <laughs> but so we were like, awesome, let's do this. Let's, let's get back into it. And the first, I think your first day, the practice was just like asking consent, like getting proper consent and asking for you what you want. And I was sitting there like, I don't know what I want. Like I, I wouldn't know what to ask for because I actually don't have any idea what I want. And I think like maybe that would lead into I need to do a self-care practice, like a um, self-pleasuring practice or something to figure out what I want and like what my wants and needs are again in, yeah, when it comes to intimacy because I was just like I don't – like Togo was like, yeah, this, 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 this. <laughs> and I'm that there, happens like, a lot, by the way, a <laughs> lot. Like the men know exactly what they want yeah. and the women are like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So how do we, how do we tap into that? How do we get, like, how do we figure out what we want in, in our intimacy and in our sex life? And I mean, I like, I'm even happy for the rest of this conversation to take sex off the table. Like I'm more into the intimacy and the connection and eye contact my god in australia it is such a rare thing to find (laughs) eye contact like yeah just day-to-day like Mm. like just encounters like no one wants to hold like you get awkward if you hold eye contact for too long it does get awkward though Mm. here too we're always (laughs) awkward with people because we maintain it like pretty intense eye contact yeah you're just like no and i don't know (laughs) yeah i don't know i'm like i tell people like maybe it's all the scorpio in our chart (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's something that like you know if I ever see like you know scenes on tv shows and I'll just put it out there Outlander the best the best scenes in that is just them holding eye contact and I'm just like oh my god well, see, there you go. That's the one thing you watch. There you go. This is actually a great reference point. Write this it down. This is actually great. Write it down. Because a lot of times, yeah, write that down. Write that down. A lot of times women I will know, it. like, they'll have a reference of, like, a, like a, a fantasy, not a fantasy that you, like, fantasize about and get off on, but, like, <laughs> something that you, something that you're like, oh, oh, my God, that pulls at my heart and I want that. A scene from a movie or a book or a novel, an erotic novel or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of reference point that we usually have. For me, okay, I'm gonna, this is gonna sound ridiculous, but um, <laughs> okay, I get, I get, safe it, I get space, it. I safe space. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. And I have, I have, I used to talk about this a lot. I haven't talked about it in a while. It hasn't been relevant, but um, I remember one time it was probably about eight years into marriage. So right now we, we we're coming up on 17, right? So this was eight whole years into marriage. We're walking down the beach and Ryan's like, what are some of your fantasies? And we had never, we had never talked about this before. It was just very something you keep to yourself. Uh, and I was like, I don't have any, I don't, I like what we do. That's fine. I, I barely wanted what we were doing. I just, I felt like I had to psych myself up and he was such a generous lover too. He would wait like 50 minutes for me to come before putting it in. But even then I was like, I couldn't feel like had like a numb vagina, honestly inside. And that was just common. But, um, yeah. And I, t- and I finally, I was like, you know what? I do have this one fantasy, but you're going to laugh. I was, I was like, okay, 
He said, what is it? It can't be that bad. I'm like, okay, well, so, so it's a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cartoon. No. And, and, and I said, um, and so I'm Snow White and the seven dwarves, except that they're like hot men, just like hanging out, ready to do whatever I ask them to do. And they're just all there for me. I'm like, that's my fantasy. That seems hot. He was like, oh, okay. He's so like, his mind goes to like happen? porn, gangbang. Like, yeah. Okay. He's like, you want a gangbang? His mind goes to like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he got excited. But, but anyway, really, I, all you really wanted was like <laughs> someone fixing the sink, someone <laughs> right. in the I garden. Just want a like, I need seven men just fix my shit up. <laughs> but you just like look through yeah. the kitchen window in the morning, and there's just like seven grown ass men fixing shit around the house. Like, Ryan, this is you not know what? Quite, not quite. Oh, that would that's kind of hot though. And yes. anytime yeah. you fix something, I'm like very turned on. Like. Yeah. <laughs> taking care of it you know? <laughs> oh, I actually agree that with that was really a fantasy. it is hot yeah <laughs> oh and that was a legit fantasy that I would get off on at the time in the very rare occasion that I would masturbate because at that time I was just like I'm not that person I don't I don't need to I'm not one of these women who has like all this desire I just hadn't tapped into it yet mm-hmm. um, because it, it's for me at that time I thought that was for him and that's why there was that big disconnect um, between our, uh, yeah, just the way that we looked at sex. Well, this is really interesting because like you went so far into your marriage. So I would say like if someone was like eight years into their marriage and they're like not having sex, they're not like in, you don't feel like, oh, this, I don't know. I feel like this is not really, this isn't that good. I feel like a lot of people would start questioning their marriage and be like, oh, maybe this isn't right. But you guys went like, yeah, went from zero to a hundred after being together for so long. Like, what, what actually was the crux of like that moving on to that? Mm. Like, how did you go from that to finding this? Like, you know, like you guys have this synergy about you. Are you just like on Instagram? I mean, we're only watching videos on Instagram. Yeah. I'm sure it's a lot different. <laughs> Maybe it's hotter. I don't know. But you look at you two and you're like whoa like these two are like young kids in love like all over each other like just yeah it's yeah. so playful and we're just like that beautiful if you come over we're just like grossingly grossly like that and but it's amazing but and that's, you're that's like cool. okay you've been together for 17 years you have four kids how did you go from not being not having pleasure on your own just being like your life is about pleasure well okay so really i would say life is about the fullness of feeling. So as much as we really a big part of it, this is the not so sexy part, right? Uh, But a big part of it was connecting with that deep pain and grief and all of those things that were tucked away. And the more that that was liberated and out in the open, and we got to connect and heal through all of these things and our childhood traumas and our attachment styles and our abandonment wounds and all of these things. Um, our capacity for love and pleasure grows along with that. So it's like it grows in proportion and, and you can't selectively numb stuff. So the, it, it has taken a lot of vulnerability and courage, you know, to say things in real time and stay current with each other, not knowing exactly how it's going to land yeah. or if it's 
going to cause stir up some drama, which I would say that the first year and a half of us really awakening to our hearts <laughs> um, was just messy. It was just really messy. And that only happened because of those two and a half years of depression and disability that he went through. And then during that time, I went through an autoimmune disorder while I was pregnant at the end of my pregnancy with our youngest. Mm. And so I had a disabled husband. I was a sole provider. I had three young kids, uh, three kids, one under one, and I was pregnant. And I had this condition. And um, that was my wake up call. That was that was the catalyst. That mm. was like, okay, that took us past just this space of before that talking about our fantasies and opening up and being more vulnerable about the the dark taboo stuff um and really got like to the meat of stuff mm. uh because i just couldn't live like that anymore i was i i had some really dark moments and um uh when i began to wake up to myself and it wasn't just a phase and it wasn't just a fad or a high from an event or a conference. And Ryan really saw that. He started to get more curious and dip his toes in. So what you see now is that we're both doing this inner work and we're both deeply committed to our relationship with the source of love and then with each other. But it has been a journey. <laughs> did it start off like that or was did you have to take the lead when it came to going deep? Because I know that like a lot of relationships um, and taking my own, for example, like we've hit a really rock bottom place as well in the past. And that was actually the catalyst for us to do something about it. Like when we went to bloody couples therapy and it was – zero help at all (laughs) I think the only (laughs) the only takeaway that was good was like well whether you break up or stay together you've got kids so you may as well try and figure out how to get along and we were just like shit (laughs) yeah and that was like the only takeaway that I think either of us got out of that and then we tried to do our own research and then that led us down the path of tantra and we booked in for a tantric course and then I I fell pregnant with um our third and we were just like oh shit like we can't go back to what we were like we need to keep on this path of improving because we know another baby's gonna bring chaos again and we need tools to come back to each other and not be resenting each other and yeah. all the fun stuff so yeah we yeah. did this tantra course and we and it started off with okay I want you guys like fully clothed just look in each other's eyes for five minutes and we were, like both of us were just like in tears by the end of it yeah like, yeah yeah but and we couldn't believe like after you know I think we did five or six counseling sessions and we did one tantric session we we're like wow like that just was so much more powerful than I think anything we could have ever done conventionally and yeah yeah, and that brought us into um yeah looking looking into our intimacy and looking into sex and I think you know where I started with this was with other couples you know you don't really want to get to that rock bottom place where now you have to work your way up and so many couples would get to that rock bottom place and call quits 
Whereas like Mm -hmm. it's almost, you know, I mean, if you can not get there, I would suggest that. But if, if you do get there, it's, that's where the potential lies to open yourselves up to each other and create a much deeper connection. And then, yeah, and then get really vulnerable because you've got nowhere else to go. (laughs) Like Mm, you kind of have to. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, what would you, like, what would you suggest to couples who are on their way down or feel like they're there? Where Mm. would your first step be? I mean, one of the, one thing that I found, and I, this, this has been coming up a lot lately, just this week alone, is the way that we language, the language that we um, use around the experiences that we're having really matters. It shapes our experience of the reality that we're experiencing. So for, for example, hitting rock bottom, it could be hitting rock bottom or it could be um, an initiation. It could be a death portal. And then on the other side, there could be a, a the, the next evolution of the relationship mm. instead of, well, this is shit, you know, like, yeah, we don't want to bypass the very real feelings that are coming up. And this feels shitty. This feels hard. This feels like hell. I mean, I it felt like hell. It's this loop of insanity that no matter what you do, you keep going through the same thing. That is to me, that's to me that hell. <laughs> so when they find themselves in that place and they can just kind of zoom out and recognize that one, they're not broken and their relationship is not broken. So it's not a project that needs to be fixed. There is a disconnect and a disconnection can be a, there's, there's more um, possibility in that, in, in reconciling this disconnection than there is in trying to fix something that's broken because then it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And we're approaching it as if it's a problem instead of with curiosity and openness and love. Mm-hmm. So if there's one question that I would ask, if I, if I were in that position, or if I could go um, advise myself <laughs> now, like myself back then, is just if there was one thing to focus on is finding, as, as that Rumi quote goes, right, finding the barriers to love. And that's it. Because when, when you when you find those barriers to love around your own heart, around your own body, not necessarily to your partner, but knowing that your relationship with your partner is a reflection of your openness to that love. Mm. And that already just shifts the underlying energy moving forward. Because um, nobody wants to be in a relation or like be somebody's project. Yeah. And I get a lot of women who come to me, they're like, my partner isn't this and that, and he needs to fix this. And, and he feels like a project. And so then he's more distant and more resistant. Mm. And and that's what doesn't work. That's a good reminder. Cause it's like, it is this, we do have so much power in just shifting our own energy and softening and like yeah and we can change that whole environment and then often if you do try and soften and um work through your own barriers you see that reflected in how your partner will respond to you so yeah Yeah. I actually needed that reminder today (laughs) earlier (laughs) yeah 
And sometimes it does look very soft and more tender and like just very, you know, I'm here with you. How can I love you better? How can I love you more in this moment right now? And sometimes it's like that like deep wisdom oracle that needs to come through and it's kind of a cutting truth. But even that can be done with so much love when our own like our own judgments and shame and things projections are not clouding the vision so we can say it with like a really deep powerful presence instead of like a flighty like little girl entitled princess energy if that makes sense mm, yeah I, I've, I've been in both both camps and i can tell you the lap that that little entitled princess energy does not work <laughs> just, <laughs> never it never has it just doesn't <laughs> doesn't work doesn't work yeah oh it's a good one to sit on for a bit, everyone. Mm. <laughs> um, amazing. So then if if we're taking it out of, you know, we're coming back to ourselves, we're coming back to connection and we're opening up. I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there who would want to do the work and probably a majority of our listeners are women who want to um, start that journey with but don't know how to broach it with their partners or don't know how to don't know how to talk about it like how would you suggest starting that conversation because if someone asked me I'd be like oh just like hold their penis for a bit (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding you this she like whenever I'm like having a quick whinge about like we'll pre-recording about to sit down together and I'm like oh I'm really pissed off like Brenton's grumpy at me and blah 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 and she's like have you tried holding his dick for a couple of minutes I'm like no like first thing in the morning on his cock and just just give it a a caress she's like you don't have to you just hold it just hold it just cup it just hold it okay babe I'll give it a cup cup it cup the ball Cut the balls yeah. and stroke the dick. <laughs> when they, when even when they're That's angry, solid, I just grab it. That's solid. And I have, I just like it'll it change. I'm like it'll change the. No, it did. I that did. could work. I've that done could it once, work. and like I'm, I'm not gonna lie. It did, did soften the blow. I give great <laughs> advice. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, oh I guess I could recommend it. To everyone, I mean, if you want to change hey, the environment. If your man responds, yeah, if your man responds to it, go for it. Now, if you feel violated by it, take that as feedback. <laughs> Michael, sorry, I was, I was just giving it a try. Like, sorry, I'm don't you told me. I, I should. I'm sorry. I'm trying to support you. I, I heard it on the road to wisdom one time. and <laughs> Oh, my God. They said hold your cock. Just not relationship <laughs> advice. Take it with your own grain of salt. But also do it's it. like a ancient <laughs> advice. Hold the cock. Yeah. I mean, there is something there. There is something there. But you know what? Actually, that's actually that's literally a thing that we have done. And it was so healing for him to do this whole ritual, mm-hmm. like a like a, a very intentional ritual of cock worship and vice versa when he did this to me and my body. But it's like so vulnerable to just receive mm-hmm. without needing to do reciprocate. Mm. or needing to take turns there's there's a lot there my husband would disagree with that but 
like, no, I a lot of women have more trouble with receiving than yes. the men I have found. And that goes found. in every single aspect of life. <laughs> so not yeah. just. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. Um, and then we're not receiving the nourishment from the life around us because we're like thinking that I need to do something to earn it or mm. I need to be productive before I can feel good. So really, I just, like it's those micro moments throughout the day that you let yourself just feel good for no damn reason. Just just feeling the nourishment of whatever is in your environment and the life inside of you. So, I mean, there are so many different practices you can explore, but when it comes to, to like together that like a, a approaching a partner, um, like you were asking, I think you were referring to the context of approaching a partner, right? Not what can I do in my journey? Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, actually, I would still bring it back to, are you devoted to your own practice to yourself for yourself? Or are you bringing this to a partner because, well, you know, you're outsourcing that to him and there's a lot of nuance in there, right? But also I have seen a, a big pattern of this that, um, men or women both do this will will say well when my partner can do this then i'll feel good about it instead of how can i take more ownership of this and embody it for me that was what changed so dramatic dramatically when i started to do the self-pleasure practice in a conscious heart-opening way not just rushing through it was that i learned how to really slow down and get in tune with what my body needs before I touch her this way, before I, I, I penetrate. And, and that helped me to learn how I like to be touched. Not because he didn't have the patience to do it, but because I had so many stories in my head keeping me from being that present with myself when he was also present. So, yeah. And I feel like, I mean, we've actually just recently had a sex therapist who specializes in porn on, um, Joe Robertson. And mm -hmm. we were talking about like how porn disconnects you so much. And, you know, as, you know, younger, not older teens, we had both watched porn and it's almost like, you know, oh, that's what everyone wants and likes and that's how it's meant to be done. Right. Um, which obviously is not everyone. It's not true. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible place to go for <laughs> sex information. But um, yeah, where was I going? This oh, when it comes to um, connecting with your partner, I've heard you speak on it before, and a few others on the performance that women sometimes feel that they need to do, and how that is disconnecting you more from each other than and from yeah. you know your own pleasure because you're up in your head when mm. you really need to be centered and in your heart when you're yeah. connecting with your partner. So, could you elaborate on that a little bit for us? Yeah. And again, this is something that we can learn so embodied through a practice like self-pleasure. But then when you're with your partner, there can, you know, there is probably going to be a learning curve for both of you. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I started to tell Ryan, you know, actually, can you touch me like this? Can you do this slower? Can you do that faster? 
Can you add this in there? And it was frustrating when we first started, when I first started to really communicate that because then he was thinking, well, the things that I used to do don't work the same anymore. And now Mm -hmm. I have to learn to do this new thing. And so it really is, uh, it, it does grow your patience and for both of you mm. and your communication skills. But it's not just communication skills, like as in um, the words that you use and the word choice. It's even deeper than that. It's, it's that level of vulnerability to expose your desire to someone and potentially be rejected or judged or told that you're too much or no, I can't do that. That's, that's too hard. Or can I add, like, feel like you're criticizing them? Yeah. Yeah. So it's perceived like a rejection. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want them to feel criticized or rejected. And 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 that was a big thing. Especially like during sex it's like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like the worst yeah. thing for anyone to feel like oh you what well, you don't like that but I think it um, shuts down the whole thing yeah, right I'm gonna mess it up. so I um I just want to like chuck in a little if there are any men out there listening to this a little disclaimer is that like a little direction doesn't woman, mean you're not doing a good job yeah because as a woman like in the last eight and a half years of creating children especially I can't believe how many times my body has morphed and changed and therefore my wants needs the way everything is working down there every time like after I push a baby out it's different again like it's like (laughs) everything's jumbled up it's a mystery and so like a lot of it I feel like every time I've like we've reconnected after I've had a child I've had to really tap in and be like like no that doesn't feel good like maybe right now maybe forever like we've got to swap it up now so yeah Mm -hmm. there's always I think being open to receiving that feedback really helps maintain the connection between you both because Mm. yeah especially in the phase of life we're in where everything like your body is growing shrinking I wonder if men I wonder if men like they kind of need the direction because I mean like if we're People who have like, oh, well, you know, like a lot of people can relate to watching porn and thinking, oh, yeah, that's how you do it. And then, you know, like throw in a bunch yeah. of other things like dissociation with our bodies as women and, mm-hmm. um, you know, thinking that just reaching like just, oh, let's get each other to orgasm, then it's all over. And that's yeah. that's the, the yeah. whole thing. Like that's a journey start to end. And then like especially if you're in postpartum where you have children, like no libido, I feel like we're in this, there's like a yeah. bit of a full on soup, soup mix <laughs> working of to get away. Yeah. How yeah. working against gotta, you. Yeah. yeah. Like we've got to yeah. work together to kind of come out and be like, this is actually what living a pleasurable life looks like. Mm. Um, and I think that men are going to have to listen and be able to be, have the conversation without feeling like I'm shit. It's I'm, cri- yeah, yeah. I'm being yeah. criticized. Because there's feedback. a lot of layers. Yeah, there's mm. got there's not criticism. Is not criticism. Yeah, because there is a lot to it, especially when we're talking about low to no libido postpartum. Mm-hmm. Um, which it is takes a lot of patience. Hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's always changing. Yeah, the hormones and and then as these as the kids are growing and they're in different stages and and there's they're going through their different things. It's, there's always going to be something. Granted, I really do believe that those first five years are harder in their own way on our nervous systems. Just the constant, you know, need to respond to something, someone get, you know, ah, somebody's yelling, somebody's crying. Is that a, 
hurt cry or is that a fake cry? Is that like a happy cry? Mm. What is that? When they're calling so mom, is that, are they alert. playing moms and dads or do they actually yes, want yes. me? <laughs> yeah. So when you're on high alert all the time, it's hard to get into the part of your system that mm. can just really relax and be in ease and pleasure and rest digest mode, you know? Yeah. I mean, and how yeah. do you, because like I can definitely relate to having like low libido because I've had so many babies in such a short window, but like, and I can also relate to having a completely fried nervous system. So like, how did you manage? Cause I mean, you had two children before you went on this tra- transformation and I imagine you would have had a wide nervous system because all moms do, <laughs> unless you're a bloody saint. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel like. <laughs> that was not me. <laughs> that is not me. Um, bring in the whips and pains. <laughs> yeah. Right. For your children. Yeah. Not for <laughs> um no I mean like what I'm I'm just trying to be like how that path doesn't seem clear like coming out walking out of no libido and a fully completely fried nervous system where you're constantly on respond mode like you know dads don't actually care when their babies are crying they're like oh still I mean, I'm down like, to have sex. Sleep through like, it. Are you kidding not even me? Aware. I am dying here. <laughs> like I'm melting. Yeah. I can't even see straight. My just everything is foggy. Um, yeah. So yeah. 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 Well, that, that's that's the first thing is I would I would de-emphasize like needing to kind of claw, claw our way out of it, and just be present with whatever's there. And the more that you can do that and really accept it for what it is right now, and you can also acknowledge the desire for something more. And this goes for anything, right? This, that's really when the ease began to really, I guess, kick in. And I began to get into this more flow and ease was when I could just look at the situation and be like, you know what? Because uh, uh, Ryan also has a, um, it's not very prevalent now, but he would have flare-ups of this um, nerve condition. And that's really what what was that whole period of, of disability. He just didn't know what it was. And it was his whole loss of identity and ego and all of that. But um, he was diagnosed with this nerve dysfunction and um, uh, that, there, that there's no solution for. And so he, every time he would get a little bit injured, it was like he would be flatlined again as far as life goes. Like, oh, he's out again. Now I have this libido and he's not there to show up for me. And I don't want anybody else but him, <laughs> you know. So there would be these seasons of um, really getting to to be present with, okay, this sucks right now. This is hard. Um, earlier this year, he did a forty-one day water fast because he just felt like spiritual invitation to do it, and he did it. And we were celibate for about two and a half months. And I'm like, this is not what I prefer. <laughs> this is not what I want. I was like dishing out ultimatums. I'm like, okay, but you need to at least do this for me. He's like, I can't, I want to. And when we can really sit in the suck of something together and just Mm. be in the discomfort of it, there's so much intimacy in that where nobody's trying to fix anybody, but we can just have an honest, heartfelt conversation of like, I miss sex. I miss us. I miss the desire. I miss the playfulness. I miss the erotic banter. I miss all of these things. And I'm here with you and I don't need you to change. And I'm trusting that I am meant to have what I really desire. And so are you. And so I just want to keep the communication open that this is what I want. And maybe in some moments it really hurts 
and I feel the absence as it, it as its presence of its own thing. But it's sitting in that void together. So when you're in those tough seasons, when you can just acknowledge that and 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 be with it, there's no uh, recipe for that. Really, it's just the more that you can do that, you'll you'll more naturally and with less like effort find yourself lifting out of it. Mm. And because you're naturally becoming more heart connected as you are vulnerably sharing these things with each other. Mm. Um, and almost like kind of building a, a fantasy for the future. You know, what would you like for this to look like in five years? What would you like for mm. our mm. sex life to be like? When the kids are bigger and they're in school, you want to like fool around on an afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just you know because right mm. now we're living this fantasy that we talked about years ago. Yeah, and it was just bringing that out into the open. I think that's a really good point. Oh, well, I to actually make. like that. Like we just joke about like, oh, when the kids are you know like when we're forty because we're so young and we've got all these kids and we're like, oh, when we're forty, like we'll be able to go to the south of France or like somewhere <laughs> probably by ourselves. And now it's going to be like could go there and have like all of that sex and like, <laughs> we didn't have for so long <laughs> just sex just enters the, the fantasy it's not just like going somewhere alone it's like doing that and just doing that doing that yeah. there and doing it there and doing it there one of the questions yeah. I wanted to ask you Lucy which I feel like you pretty much just answered but I'll phrase it for our men listening if there are dads or men or partners out there who feel like their sexual needs aren't being met in whatever season of life they're going through and maybe they've broached their partner about it and they're just like a don't touch me kind of phase whether that's like breastfeeding can bring that on or just postpartum can definitely bring that on um yeah what would your advice be to that uh, I mean, immediately the things that come to mind are like, we're in this for the long haul and I choose you. Mm. Like, that's what we really want to hear. When we're in a moment that we're not feeling the way that we would prefer to be feeling, the last thing that we need in a heart level is to be, even if they're not trying to do this, just to be made out to be the, the one that's holding us back. The, the problem in the relationship. Um, there is no problem. There is, again, possibly a disconnect because it, it can be more painful to um, express an unmet desire that has little to no chance of being met than it is to shut it down or to keep it to themselves. And so I know that this is risky I understand this is very risky what I'm saying here, but if they do um, very intentionally frame this with their partners that I want to reveal my heart to you and I don't want to hold back and I also don't want to hurt you and I don't want it to be in any kind of accusation or blame or insufficiency on your part. And I just want, you know, I I want to be able to share the desires and the fears of my heart with you. Can we do that? Can we establish some kind of a 
container for that. And that's actually one of the first practices that I like to have clients do is get into the practice of sharing both of both their fears and their desires with each other with zero expectation of the other person taking away your fear or meeting your desire. Because mm. you're just getting practiced in just sharing it. That's mm. enough of a muscle to exercise. <laughs> yeah, that was actually, it was in the rewilding um, lovers yeah. course. And it was, it's a really hard one to do. <laughs> I found the dancing yeah. one way easier. <laughs> <laughs> Because we just got silly and it was a lot of fun. But when it comes to something serious, like, yeah, sharing your fears and sharing your desires, it is, that's, it's a really vulnerable place to be in. So it does require a practice of strengthening that muscle. And it's just as deep as you are willing to go, as your heart's ready to go, like as deep as, for example, I'm scared that if I don't get my sex drive back and I can't meet your needs, I'm going to be abandoned or I won't be good enough for you. Or even if you don't physically leave me, you'll just like give up on us. Yeah. So those are the really vulnerable things to share that um, create that intimacy. You can't Mm. have that intimacy without letting that person see you. Yeah. It seems like one of the biggest keys in this whole conversation is like clear cut communication and not leaving the other person just think or make assumptions or make like, oh, I, w- I wonder what they're going through or I wonder what he wants or I wonder what she's mm. feeling or desiring. And also and without the anger and yeah. without the judgment. Because that's what it manifests yeah. as, right? Like Don't let it get to that no point. Ki- yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> then we talk about it because we're yeah. pissed, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's what it can lead to. Like if you've got a fear or a desire but your partner has no idea and you just are like oh well they should know and it kind of just creates this <laughs> tension and this further frustration and then you end up blurting out you know all the things that you wished were happening or or you even don't... something that's completely unrelated totally. and you just go off on some yeah. tangent yeah. that's it's not never even... about the thing yeah <laughs> and it's always it's always obviously much harsher than it really is too because you're frustrated you're angry it's been this you know like you've let this tension build or you've let you know, not there's not been an opportunity or you've not created the space to have like a proper conversation about where you're at, what is going on. And then, yeah, it really does. The lack of words really create that opportunity for just mess, icky mm. mess. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Just more of like a, a abyss between you. Yeah. And it's an op- it's a starting of a dialogue that stays open. It's an open dialogue, not just a one-time conversation which is the same thing with our kids. You know, people ask like, how do you be openly yourself and online and all this stuff and talk about the things you do? What do they think about this? Well, we have an open dialogue about all of these things, especially with our high school daughters. You know, they're, they're in high school. They're both in relationships and they have always come to us for advice and with their questions and they had something, you know, they weren't sure about their bodies. Like, is this normal? What, how do I, our, our, our daughter, um, our oldest daughter, her friends will come to her for advice on <laughs> how to like, you know, just love their bodies and mm. be confident and touch themselves. And she, she'll be, she'll, she's not going to like demonstrate or anything, but you know what I mean? Like she's just a safe place for them to mm. just well, talk I guess about this is it. a beautiful point because like, this is something that, you know, I think is so important is actually just, and you actually did post about this recently is the 
are you, you posted the little reel of you and Ryan just like being silly and playful and it, obviously one of your kids is videoing it and you all oh, yeah. you're all over her, each other all the time and it's super sweet and I would say like most of us um, did not witness our parents treat each other like that or, you know, repair a, a down. Like there was no repair, there's no like coming together, there's no, you know, for a lot of, I mean, I, I never really witnessed it at all like that. You just don't know what the love that looks like. Um Mm-hmm. And, and embodying, embodying it, it and like yeah. and then we've got to learn like people it. have got to bloody watch porn to figure out how to have a relationship <laughs> yeah. but that's it's, an extreme <laughs> it's an extreme version but, then, I mean, but if but, we as parents and and mm. this actually like going back to your point of like sharing our vulnerabilities with each other as partners is such an important practice when, you know, your kids start growing up and you want them to share their vulnerabilities with you. And if you can hold space for each other as in a relationship, well, then that is going to be seen and felt by your kids. And then all of a sudden you're that safe space for them too, which I've never linked that before this this moment. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And that is, it's such an important thing for us as parents to be able to create that safe environment for our kids and like, so they can be vulnerable. They can share whatever is going on in their lives. And yeah, if we practice that as, adults with each other well we're only going to be way better at holding the space for them when they come to us so yeah and then I mean something we spoke about with the um the reel that you shared was you know embodying what love is supposed to look like what a relationship is supposed to look like so our kids get to see that so if we are constantly being you know doing PDAs in front of our kids and showing that we're playful and that you know there's love there and because God knows all our kids would see us fighting and also turning away yeah. from each other and getting cranky. Yep. So you've really got to balance that out with actually the relationship mm-hmm. is the whole spectrum. Like it's not just mm-hmm. we're kind to each other behind closed doors or when you guys are in bed we snuggle right. on the couch. Like we need to be showing them that throughout the day too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, demonstrating yeah. that. Yeah, you don't yeah. Want, you want your kids to be aiming for that in their own relationship. Mm-hmm. not having yeah, so they know what it's like to be loved exactly. and, and yeah. not have to like token be a token like give tokens in return for love or in exchange for love yeah our, our teenagers have seen us gr- grow up with them that's the mm. thing they've seen us at our worst they've seen us at our most chaotic volatile explosive out of control and and they've gotten to see the transformation which also involved a lot of healing for them as well because mm-hmm. they they weren't in a place or or in early early childhood where they felt safe to just have emotions and and be and have that space held for them. We didn't know how to do that for ourselves. So um so now they they have such a deep wisdom to them, not only having experiences with us, but also just getting to witness us in the day to day and how we work through the conflicts and talk through the things and trust the universe and like tie in all of these pieces. Mm. So how old um, were they when yeah. you guys went through that? Um, let's see when I had to do some math. <laughs> let's see. It was 2015 when he was going through the, uh, when that season happened. So they were, let's see, that was eight years ago. So I guess they were seven and mm. eight. See, that's so comforting because, you know, like we live in this, 
you know, with all this information of like the first seven years is so important and if you don't get it right, your kids are going to be screwed. Right, yeah. <laughs> but to like yeah, yeah. To know Psychologically that, like, okay. you're like, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, but no. That's, Sorry, guys. It is comforting to know because like, you know, it's, you know, it's obviously correct that there is so much forgiveness there and there is so much room still for them to develop and become super emotionally healthy and, you know, able to transform beyond those first seven years when it's modeled to them in the house and, you know, by their parents, obviously that speaks volumes. So Lucy, Mm -hmm. before we wrap Mm -hmm. up, I'd love to go take derail this a little bit um, and talk about your reel that went viral. It went viral in Australia anyway, um, which is actually how I got introduced to your page in the first place. And it was the video of you um, washing Ryan's hair in the bath. Yeah. And as soon as I watched it, and I didn't even read the words, I was just looking Mm. at the images and I sent it to Togger. I was like, how do we set up our bathroom so we can do something like this? (laughs) I need to, (laughs) like, I need to recreate this. Mm. Um, But then, and then I think he read the words and was like, oh, dude, like, have you actually taken on board? And it was about um, not mothering your husband, Mm. but like but being able to take care of them and it was just such a beautiful like it just god tugged at my heartstrings because I was like that's so beautiful because how often are we you know criticizing and mothering and because we're mothering our children we end up mothering our husbands as well and so many times I'll talk to friends and they're just like oh yeah I've got you know they'll have three kids and they're like well really I've got four kids because I've got to look after you know yeah we hear that all the time all the time and it's such it's like yeah it it, it is emasculating but it's I mean it's a comment and we laugh about it but it's we really should stop because it's such a bad place to be in in your relationship when you feel like you have to mother your husband (laughs) so yeah because you can't trust him there's that feeling of lack of respect and trust yeah yeah which is like one of the biggest things that our men require from us is trust and respect. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love you to just expand on that just a little bit because it was really beautiful and, yeah, I feel like all our listeners need to hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, to be fair, you know, I spent a lot of years in our marriage mothering him and thinking that that was me loving him unaware that that was me trying to control him and trying to avoid rejection by vulnerably asking him and expressing what I want beyond the logistics of like, make the sandwich this way or make sure that this kid has this for school. It's it's not even about the logistics, the external form of it. It's the heart behind it. And this is something that's really, really difficult to, to articulate, right. And explain in words. But when you see it, you know it, you recognize it. Mm -hmm. Like the, the mind looks for, uh, to intellectualize more knowledge, but the heart will recognize truth. And so when you see someone who has that, um, and that was so random that that was the reel that went viral because (laughs) I was, I was like on my trip to Peru, my first pilgrimage by myself ever, going to my homeland and connecting with my ancestors and all that. And like this reel is going viral. I'm like, what What is happening right now? Why this? But in the middle of that, he was in his, on his fast 
And unbeknownst to me, I did that ritual just a few days before he got the message to do the fast. So it was, it was like a ceremonial preparation of this, like very devotional act of love. So the, the difference is me doing this in this season versus let's say eight years ago, it's the difference between, hey, you're not doing a good job washing your hair and you kind of smell weird. So <laughs> let me do it for you. Okay. And let me just make it like package it nice for you so that you will say yes. And then I can just get what I want and take care of this problem because your hair is a problem. And so that's how I would have approached it then. As opposed to, I just, I, I'm, I'm so, I'm just like bursting with love for you that I, I want to do something really special for you. Not just suck your dick, not just like, you know, that's great. That's great. Hold the dick, hold the balls. <laughs> Solid <laughs> advice once again. But like, I want to do something that's different and something that, yeah, take notes, take notes, people. Um, something I, I didn't even know where the idea came from. I just thought, oh, this this seems this seems like the thing to do. And he mm -hmm. said yes, and then so we did it. And so it's it's these um, when you're open to that flow of erotic aliveness, and you trust those little intuitive nudges that you get, and you make the invitation as the oracle. And then he says, yes, there is already such a, um, an intimacy and a trust and a connection and a safety there that he knows this is not some kind of form of manipulation or control. It's an act of devotion of love. Um, so yeah, the, the, the very common, the, the distinction between the mothering and the nurturing and being a nourishment for each other is is the trust and respect present or not? Hmm. And that's something that only we can really honestly inquire into. Oh, Lucy, I could literally talk to you for days and days and days. <laughs> you are amazing. And <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's been all this time. It goes by so fast. I know, I know. And um, no, it's been such an, a beautiful conversation and I'm going to just chuck it out there. We're going to get you on again. <laughs> yeah, we have more to explore. Well, so much more to There's talk about. There's so much more to talk about. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this has been a beautiful conversation in and of itself, actually quite relaxing and also mm. very empowering. Um, mm. And I hope that all of our listeners find that as well. Um, are there any offerings that you have online or where can people find you? Yeah. So all of the current goodies will be at lucylampy.com or you can go to my Instagram at lucylampy and check on, uh, click on the link there. Um, and yeah, there's there courses for women, courses for couples, coaching for those who want more of the one-on-one -on -one support. And every once in a while, if there's a live event or a retreat or a workshop, I will also post about that on my website. Amazing. And we can link to all of that in our show notes. Thank you so much again, Lucy, for coming on. And remember, people, cup the balls. <laughs> <laughs> Hold the dick, cup the balls. This is takeaway. Oh, my gosh. So oh, thanks again Lucy thank you thanks for tuning in to the Road to Wisdom podcast to join the journey you can follow us on Instagram at theroadtowisdom.podcast and at 
www.theroadtowisdompodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We look forward to seeing you next week with more juicy content.